the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. Hi Kids! My name is Bria Cat and I'm 11 years old. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I am going to be speaking to Rob Perkis. He is a civil aviation specialist and I will be speaking to him in a little while. Stay tuned! Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a Hi Kids riddle to challenge your brain. And you can win tickets to see Alice in Wonderland at the People's Theatre. So stay tuned! Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest or if you just want to say hi. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send me a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019 and please sign your name. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. Get ready for an exciting show on Kids today. Stay tuned! You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Broya Katz and I'm 11 years old. I have Rob Perkis with me, a civil aviation specialist. So send your questions to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon, Rob. Hi, Beria. Hello. How are you doing? Good. I'm very excited to hear all the answers for, your quest- for the questions. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. So, I understand that you work for SACA, S-A-C-A-A. What does it stand for? Okay. I just want to correct that, Beria. I recently retired from the South African Civil Aviation Authority, so I'm not working for them anymore. I'm now an independent airspace and civil aviation specialist. But I worked for them for a long time. Oh, I had no idea. That's so cool. Okay. What does civil mean, though? Okay, so in aviation in just about any country in the world, we have military aviation and we have civil aviation. So civil aviation is about all the military jets and the transport aircraft The civil aviation is about the airliners and the smaller civil aeroplanes that take us from A to B. So there's a civil aspect to aviation and a military aspect to aviation. Oh, okay, I see. But what does military mean, though? Military is like the army. Okay, but in aviation, they would be known as the Air Force. So Air Force and Army and the Navy is all military, and the aviation world comprises military and civil. Oh, okay. 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 And what does aviation even mean? I don't even understand what it means. Okay, so aviation, anything pertaining, anything to do with airplanes, airports, airports, That's all aviation. The people that work in aviation work at the airports. They do ground control stuff or they fly airplanes. So aviation um, is all about 
airborne and ground stuff where there are aeroplanes. Okay. So like a pilot would be considered part of the aviation? He's part of the aviation world. Even spaceships are part of the aviation world. Okay. And what is what was your position in CACAA? The South African Civil Aviation Authority. Now, the South African Civil Aviation Authority is exactly that. It is the authority in terms of aviation in this country. And around the world, all the countries have their own civil aviation authorities. And they make all the rules and the laws that govern aviation behavior and practices. So I was an air traffic controller all my life. And when I became too old, old in inverted commas, when I became too old to control anymore, the Civil Aviation Authority took me in as an air traffic control specialist. So my job was to go around to all the control towers in the country. The control towers are those buildings at the airport that have those big glass windows, and they control all the airplanes flying around. So I would go around to the control towers, and I would see that the controllers were all doing the job the way they were supposed to be doing the job. I see. Okay. So, so like an air traffic control is when they're like sit on the ground and say, okay, what's up in space? I'm not in space, what am I talking about? What's up in the air? How's it going? Like that. Absolutely. So the air traffic controller sits in a glass tower and he can see the whole of the airfield and he controls all the movement on the airfield to make sure that airplanes don't bang into each other or airplanes don't bang into vehicles or people. So the air traffic control sits in that glass tower and he looks over the airfield and he, can, he has the best view in the world. And he can see everything that's happening and he watches all the takeoffs and all the landings. And is there like any specific reason why that's a glass tower? Well, I ask. It seems a bit more dangerous. Well, the air traffic controller, in order to control the airplanes and the vehicles, has to have a clear vision of what's happening around him, not only in, in, on the ground, but also in the sky. So he has to have those big window panes where his vision isn't, or her vision, isn't restricted in any way. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. So they've so they got those big windows to look out of, and they can see the airplanes in the sky, they can see the airplanes and vehicles on the ground, and they don't have to duck around pillars or window frame holders, etc. Yeah. And I would imagine the roof is also glass, so they can look up. No, the roof isn't glass, but the window panes of the control tower are slanted so that the controller can look up as well. But if there was someone flying right overhead the control tower, they wouldn't be able to see it. They'd know it's there, but they wouldn't physically be able to see it. I see. Okay. And how long did it take you to become an aviation I mean, not an aviation, a control... An air traffic controller. Air traffic controller. Well, things have changed since I uh, qualified. I went to an aviation college for four years, and uh, we did all kinds of subjects pertaining to aviation. Um, today, it's different. Um, 
they don't necessarily qualify you after your first year as an air traffic controller because some people don't have that acumen, that, that um, ability. So they'll train you for the first year, and if they see that you show ability to become a fully-fledged air traffic controller, they will put you into a second year. But that second year might only come after three years. So I don't want to confuse the I issue. So, so, so they'll, they'll watch you for a while, and then um, they'll, they'll push you into a controlling position um, a little bit later when, they, when the authorities have convinced themselves that this person will make a good air traffic controller. So they basically have like a first stage where they look at them and see if they've got ability and then they move them into sort of a second stage of training when they see that they've got absolutely. ability. Absolutely, absolutely. And do anybody work under you? Well, air traffic controllers are individuals that have licenses, like pilots have licenses. Um, air traffic controllers have licenses. So when they sit in the control tower, they are totally independent of anyone, but they have to, of course, control as per the law and the procedures. So no one tells an air traffic controller how to do his job. He's studied how to do it, and he must do it according to the law and to the procedures. So to answer your question, do we have someone above us or under us? Well, we have student controllers that we help along. And, of course, there's always somebody in charge of the control tower. So there would be a boss there. And what attributes would you value most in the students that you help? Well, you know, to become involved in aviation, particularly in air traffic control or in piloting airplanes, I believe after all my years of experience, one must have a passion for aviation. I suppose you have a passion for that microphone over there because you <laughs> do it you. so beautifully. Now, to do it well in aviation, one must have a passion. Since I was little, I always used to talk about airplanes and my colleagues used to do the same. So, again... Having a passion for what you do is very important in any job. Okay, well, maybe those little boys out there who play with the airplanes in the afternoon, maybe you will be interviewed in a few years' time here. Let's see. Okay. And how can people on the ground help avoid crashes? Well, that's an interesting question because usually people on the ground are kept away from all the airplane action. But there are people on the ground that interfere with the safe operation of aircraft. That sounds unbelievable. How do people on the ground interfere with a Boeing that's flying from Johannesburg to Cape Town? Well, this is how they do. They've got lasers. Some naughty people get these, you know those lasers, those mm -hmm. point, laser pointers? And as the aircraft's coming in to land, they shine it into the cockpit. And that can blind a pilot. And, of course, as he's coming into land, he needs to be in control of his vision and everything about him. So these naughty people on the ground shine these lasers 
into the cockpit, which can affect the pilot in a very bad way. So how can the person on the ground help in safety? If a person on the ground sees that happening, they must call the police. Call the police and tell the police what's going on. And hopefully the police can get out there and catch that person. Another one, have you heard of drones? Yes. You know what drones are all yes, about. Yes, I've got a drone actually. You've got a drone? It broke. It wasn't that Did you quality. crash it or did it just break? A bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so drones, there's, there's some serious laws around drones. And a lot of people are flying drones without or not in the limits of what the law allows. So a drone can go high enough to interfere with a Boeing coming into land or taking off. And if a drone hits a Boeing, either landing or taking off, it can create big damage to the point that that Boeing can actually lose control and crash. So, if again, if we see drones being flown near an airport or high, if we're in any doubt, we must call the police because drones are a big threat if they fly uncontrolled in the airspaces. Wow. Wow, that's quite interesting. Mm. So even like those not-so-good ones, I would imagine some of them would just break if they made contact with an aircraft. Well, some you see, there are so many different drones out there. It's difficult to say... Uh, which drone will break an aircraft and which drone won't. Fortunately, we haven't had too many drone strikes, as we call them. Um, we've had one or two, and those drones were small. They did quite a bit of damage to the aircraft, but fortunately the aircraft continued to land in a normal fashion. They never found the pilots of those illegal drones. We call them illegal drones. And um, so we've got to be very careful when we go out there with a drone and fly it. Just know that the law says we cannot fly above 400 foot. So you have to estimate how high 400 foot is. So if you take your drone to the park and you want to fly it, you can't fly it above 400 foot because then you're going to start potentially interfering with the aeroplanes in the sky. Okay, wow. I think that's. I don't don't think some people even knew that drones could cause such damage to airplanes. And how's this one? We have about eleven airfields in the Johannesburg area. You know, Oliver Tambo, Rand Airport, Lanseria Airport, mm-hmm. Vonderboom Airport. There's lots of airports around here. You cannot fly a drone within ten kilometers of an airfield. So if you live right next to Oliver Tambo, for instance, you're not allowed to fly your drone. Wow. Yeah. You've got to be at least 10 kilometers away from an airport. Yeah, I guess some drones can get that quality control at the beginning, especially, and you can just accidentally... Yes. Whoops. Oh, was that an airplane? (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a break now and have a song. We'll be right back. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Bruria Cat and I'm 11 years old. I have Rob Perkis, an aviation 
control specialist. specialist in studio with me. If you have any questions for him, you can send an SMS to 34519 or WhatsApp to 061-895-1019. You can also call on 010-140-3020. Let's carry on with the questions, Rob. Good. Okay. What, what do you love most about your job? That's an easy question to answer because I mentioned it earlier. Having a passion for what you do becomes love for what you do. So I love everything about my job. If an airplane goes overhead my house, I look up in the sky and I, I just follow it and I, I try and identify what type of airplane is that and all the people sitting inside it and the crew in the cockpit. And So I love everything about my job. It's, there's nothing particular and separate that I love. That's special. What is the most difficult part of your job? Well, I suppose people always asked me while I was controlling airplanes, well, they, they, they didn't ask me. They used to say, gee, air traffic control is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. And I'd say, it may appear like that, but it's not so, because sitting where you're sitting, to me, that's stressful. <laughs> but because you do it as often as you do, it becomes normal. Does that make sense? Yes. So, for me, I was trained to be an air traffic controller, and I did it every day, and it became a normal thing to control the airplanes. But to answer the question, the difficult, most difficult time is when, as a controller, you face a situation in the sky, and you have to make a decision. If two airplanes are heading for each other, you can't say, mm, let me take a tea break, and I'm going to go and think about what I should do here. <laughs> you've got to address the situation immediately and make a decision in terms of what you're going to do to avoid these two airplanes hitting each other. And the decision you make has to be the right decision. It can't be the wrong decision or else there's going to be all kinds of problems. So the most difficult part of the job, I would say, is the decision-making in a particular emergency situation. Yes, and I can imagine also the limited time you have to do it. You can't, as you said, you can't have a tea break and think, um, well, if I do this, it might work. But no, that won't work. I mean, you can't have a whole You've got to do it immediately. <laughs> yes. Okay. And what, do you, what don't you enjoy about your job? Again, I have to go back to my passion. Um, I enjoy everything about my job. Oh, hang on. Perhaps there's one thing. Waking up in the morning to the alarm clock. I don't enjoy that. But once I'm up and about, I can't wait to get to work. Yeah, I can. I feel for you. I'm a very late sleeper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, and what is the funniest thing that has ever happened in your job? Well, in, in, in the air traffic control world, we wear headphones similar to what you've got. We, we don't have a microphone in front of of us, we have a, a little microphone that comes down from the headset on t just in front of your mouth. Mm, I know what you're talking about. Okay, now I see DJ Flo, this intrepid controller of ours here, uh, controller in his own right, is controlling us on the airwave. He's making this microphone live 
or he switches it off at the right time. So the funniest thing was I was on my cell phone talking to my girlfriend at that time and I'm in control of my microphone and I hadn't switched it off. So all oh, the aeroplanes no. out there heard me lovey-doving my girlfriend on the cell phone. That's very funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I guess it's not so funny once you find out, but then... Absolutely, it was very later. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So, like, did the whole plane or just the pilot? No, it's all the pilots out there. All the pilots that are uh, on that frequency listen to my love story on the cell phone. <laughs> so how did you just figure it out by yourself? I just had to apologize to everyone and said that I forgot to switch my microphone off. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened to DJ as well. No, never. Okay. <laughs> wow, you're lucky. And <laughs> um, where is... The CAA located. Yes. The Civil Aviation Authority is, has a, a big building in Midrand. And they have a big building because it comprises many departments. There's the air traffic control section. There's the pilot section. There's the testing section. There's the airworthiness section. So there's a whole lot of different sections that the Civil Aviation Authority has. And all those sections look after their respective responsibilities in terms of aviation in the country. I see. Okay. And what makes aviation especially hard in terms of law? Well, we know as ordinary individuals in our usual daily lives, we're subjected to all kinds of laws. And... You know, if we come up to a stop street when we're driving, we're supposed to stop. But we've seen many vehicles not stopping. They may slow down, but they're breaking the law. Or a speed limit, as an example. We've got to do 60 kilometers an hour, and we're doing 110. We're breaking the law. So although there's very strict and rigid laws in the aviation world, there are still pilots who break the law. And... So, so um, that's, that's probably the most difficult things in terms of having laws, generally speaking. But having laws also apply to aviation. Aviation have laws, and some people break them as well. I hope that answers your question. Yes. And is it, is that the South African laws, the only laws you have to follow? Well, in, it's a lovely question. Let me tell you, Berea. If you Have you flown overseas yet? Yeah, um, once, I think. Where did you once go? Once or twice. Can you remember? I've been to London okay, when I was like two, and then I went to Israel in December. Okay, in December you went to Israel. Now, let's say in Israel they do things differently to South Africa, and London does things differently to Israel. South Africa. Or America does things different. So we can't have that. We have to have an international practice, international law, where all the pilots, whether they're flying to Israel, whether they're flying to Washington, London, wherever, they're all doing the same thing. So there's a body called the International Civil Aviation Organization. 
And that body regulates the international side of things so that when a pilot flies from Johannesburg to Israel, it doesn't matter because whatever he did in Johannesburg, he's going to do in Tel Aviv. Oh, I see. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Okay, and have you worked anywhere else besides SACAA? Well, as I said, I was an, an air traffic controller, and the air traffic control system in this country is not CAA. We have two arms of aviation in this country. Have you heard of AXA? AXA is the airports company of South Africa. So AXA controls most of the airports. When you go to the airport, they make sure you've got trolleys. They make sure that the shops are all there, etc. That's AXA, the airports company. The air traffic control side is the flying side. And we have ATNS, the Air Traffic and Navigation Services Company. So I worked for ATNS, that's the control tower side, and there's many people that work for AXA, which is the ground side at the airport. I see. And how long has SACAA been around for? Well, AXA and ATNS came into being in 1995. The Civil Aviation Authority came into being on the 1st of October 1998, three years after these two operational um, operational organizations started. And do you know who started the Civil Aviation Authority? Well, it's... it's a parastatal. Now, a parastatal is a sem semi-government organization like ESCOM, like SAA. The government has the major hold on these organizations. Telcom's another one. So the government used to run all these organizations by themselves pre-1995. Wow. And, and then they decided to get AXA and ATNS and the CAA. And by means of charging people, airplanes, passengers, that's how they would pay the salaries of the people in these parastatals. Okay. And have you ever, like, seen, gone, gone into the cock cockpit and seen how any, everything works? One of the nice things about being an air traffic controller was certainly when I was an air traffic controller, I think it's changed slightly today, we had to do familiarization flights in the cockpit. So we had to get into the cockpit, and they have what is called a jump seat. It's normally located just behind the captain of the airplane. And all you did was observe cockpit procedures so that when you spoke to the captain, you would know not to talk to him while he's taxing out because he's doing all his pre-takeoff checks. So rather talk to him as he starts his engines when it's not too busy in the cockpit. So we used to fly regularly in the cockpit, and they called them familiarization flights. Cool. And I, I can imagine in the cockpit there's like so many knobs and wheels and things you've like, how do you ever learn to do this? Well, you know, um, 
you asked me what was one of my most embarrassing situations on one of these familiarization flights. The, the the flight attendant came in and asked me if I wanted something to drink, and I asked for a, a glass of water, and she brought me, in those days they were glass, not plastic like today. And I was sitting there sipping my water, and I finished it, and I put it down next to me because I was waiting for her to come and fetch my glass, but she didn't come and fetch the glass. So I put it on the floor next to me behind the captain's seat. And when we landed... He put on all his brakes and everything to stop the aircraft. And the glass went flying forward, but we didn't know it. All we heard was this breaking glass, and we thought, what's breaking in this cockpit? And it was my glass on the floor that was oh, breaking no, everywhere. that must have been quite scary. Yes. Okay. Apologies all around, yes. And can you explain how a plane gets off the ground? Well... An aircraft is built so beautifully. And, of course, um, I don't know if one of your listeners are able to tell us who uh, conducted the first manned flight. And uh, it was in America. I'll give them a clue. But it's built so that the wings and the body um, generate lift. It, the, the wings and the body combined with the forward speed of the aircraft gets an airflow flowing over the aeroplane and that lifts the aeroplane into the sky wow and that's Sounds how like it a works miracle it's beautiful a miracle yes okay and am i correct you said who conducted the first flight i think it was the wright brothers there we go all right 10 points for burio oh thanks to my science teacher <laughs> okay Thank you so much for coming on Chai Kids and teaching us about more about aviation. Thank you to my guest for coming, coming on Chai Kids. And thank you to my producer, Mandy, and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Chai Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Chai Kids for Kids. Bye, kids!